severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome back to Just Get A Real Job podcast. I'm of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Apologise for the delay this week in getting the episode out to you. I've currently been caught by COVID. It's finally got me. After nearly two and a half years avoiding the thing, it has defeated me. So I'm a little bit rough recording this. I'm alright. Not too bad. Just, you know, a little bit under the weather. So we push on, we push on. But we've got another brilliant episode in store for you this week, as I was joined by talented writer and performer, Joel Seelman-Lever. And it was a really really good conversation i really enjoyed chatting to joe we spoke about his show fanboy which has just done a very successful run at the Edinburgh fringe it's currently on tour as well to find out more about some of the dates there check the links in the show notes joe obviously speaks more about it in today's episode we also had a really interesting chat about his process how he approaches writing his journey so far how he got to where he is now how he got an agent etc we also spoke about how he copes in such a difficult industry and his strategies for that and his advice for other writers lots of really interesting conversation actually really good one really insightful episode so i'm sure you're gonna enjoy before i get into today's episode though, i just wanted to quickly mention something which is quite close to my heart and i'm sure many people in scotland are quite saddened to have read about the the news regarding the Edinburgh Film House, the Film House in Aberdeen and the Edinburgh Film Festival which sadly has went into administration costing 102 jobs. I have friends that work there as well so it's something quite personal to my heart. It's a cinema I had a lot of affection for especially in Edinburgh at the Film House. I used to go there a lot and the Edinburgh Film Festival as well. It's a very amazing local thing for the British and Scottish you know, creative industry so it's very sad to see this is happening too often to the arts and the venues are really struggling after the pandemic and in a cost of living crisis so there's a petition online at the moment to save the film house i'm going to leave a link to that in today's show notes but just genuinely regardless of where you are in the world if you're in the uk if you're abroad just remember and appreciate your local creative cinemas your local creative places because they're the first place sadly that almost tends to go in and cost living crises and we need to value the arts and we kind of speak about this a wee bit in today's episode the importance of valuing the arts but these cultural hubs are really important to our society and i'm really sad to hear about the film house and i hope there's something we can do especially locally to try and find a way of bringing it back because it is just really sad news so yeah please sign the petition as well and i'm massive shout out to everyone who's been sort of leading on this and and really using their voice to try and speak up for this venue yeah it's quite sad but it is what it is as you can tell i'm struggling a wee bit today because obviously covid but i'll power through power through yeah as always if you're enjoying the podcast it's obviously episode 95 be sure to share it online tell friends and family to listen leave us a review we also have a patreon page you can donate as little or as much as you like all the money we make goes back into the upkeep of this podcast we do this because we love it me and elliot make a loss on this podcast but we love doing it so wouldn't have it any other way but any anything you can donate would go a long way and we can make this podcast the best it can be i think that's everything for today hope you enjoy episode 95 with joe silman lever writer and performer enjoy good evening joe how you doing lovely to meet you good thank you very much yeah great to meet you too how you getting on tonight you good yeah all right thank you a little tired but uh but all good yeah i'm about yeah. to drive to cheltenham for uh, one of the legs of our tour of fanboys so yeah 
Getting Lovely. Ready for that, but it's is, nice to yeah, nice to chat to you. Has the tour started yet, or is this the first date of the tour? Yeah, it has started. We did a we did a date in Leeds last week, which was which was good. And then we have a few yeah, a few dates this autumn in the southwest, and then a run at the Soho Theatre in November. Brilliant. And I mean, you yeah. must be very up to speed on it because you've just done the Fringe like all month in August and and got lots of nice reviews, etc., including some five star ones, which is great. Yeah, we did. Yeah, which is really lovely. So yeah, it was it was nice and and yes, absolutely nice to be touring not too long after the fringe run because obviously it's also fresh and you know a show really changes and develops i think when you know during the course of a run because you learn so much by having in front of an audience day after day so yeah, yeah nice touring no. that version of it 100 we, we had a lot of fringe performers and people taking shows to the fringe on throughout sort of july and august and you're the first person i've had on since that since the fringe has happened and since some you know someone that's that's done a show so just very quickly before we get into the sort of usual podcast questions like how how did you find it and how are you feeling after it like did you take a bit a couple of weeks to recover it's quite an intense month it is intense it's always yeah. it's always intense i hadn't obviously well none of us had done it most of us hadn't but anyway for a couple of years for obvious reasons and yeah. and i hadn't done it for 5 years or yeah there was a 5 year gap for me so i don't know that sort of gap in memory being a little bit older maybe mm. like slight long COVID I don't know just like the st- my stamina wasn't as, as high so yeah I think it did take me longer to recover this time and I didn't really have a chance to get like a proper bit of time like even just a few days off afterwards sadly so that feel on. but it was great to be there and yeah the usual caveats of of you know the difficulties and and things that need I think fixing with fringe but really lovely to, to sort of take work there and especially with this show we hadn't we were making fanboy ready for t- fringe 2020 so mm-hmm. we had to pause long it long time in the making exactly it was nice to finish something that we we'd spent you know such a long time on and also just see loads of people see loads of work and you know see friends that you'd only really see in that context you mm-hmm. know in that in that festival at that festival so yeah it was really nice no it was a good month we did three live shows with the podcast there as well and like i mean you did the whole run like i found that quite exhausting itself like having just three shows on so let alone like what probably 20 plus you know what i mean so fairly yeah how many i'm trying to think how many shows that we did it would have been 26 i think i booked like a day off per week so that was i had never done that before but it was a good decision <laughs> it was a good, nice chance to rest yeah of course no thank you very much but sort of before we sort of kick off the podcast properly like maybe just be good for you to just introduce yourself very quickly i know we're sort of speaking off air there about how you sort of see yourself more as a storyteller because i asked do you see yourself as a writer or a performer because you kind of do both but just maybe quickly talk about that because I was really interested in what you're saying before yeah for sure so yeah I, I I'm an actor and a writer I started out in devised theater made ensemble devised work with my company Worklight and then moved into solo shows in 2015 and yeah I've also acted for other theater companies and, and for screen a little bit as well and then write currently for for stage and screen as well sort of outside of writing for myself and yeah I was I was saying earlier that I think the kind of the big thing for me is storytelling you know that's that's mm-hmm. the thing I love about those two jobs you know don't don't necessarily kind of love being chained to a desk all day and kind of you know like typing <laughs> typing away but I I love structuring a story and and figuring out the nuts and bolts of it and figuring out why you're stuck and then like getting through that and, and the sort of problem solving of it and likewise with the with acting you know it's it's the sharing something with in mm-hmm. theater especially you know with a live audience and and kind of going on on that journey in real time that I really love. So, so yeah, it's, it's storytelling is, is the, is the thing for me. And I get to do that sometimes just as a writer, sometimes just as an actor. And, and then, yeah, with my solo shows, I get to do, get to do both, which is really lovely. It keeps it interesting and fresh as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. that's class. Thank you. Well, just to sort of cast your mind even further back, and this might be interesting because obviously the word storytelling, a lot of our guests say that, that, especially writers and performers, they often say, 
like I just love storytelling but do you remember as a youngster like were you always interested in stories or do you remember like being creative as a child or something was do you remember where like that first started yeah I think that was really nurtured with uh, with visual art actually I did visual art up until including a level like lots of printmaking and that kind of stuff I've always been really interested in drawing and I, I think that sort of designer's eye is like kind of part of how I write and I write quite visually and which is which is something I you know, I value and, and yeah it sort of makes sense then that like probably yeah earliest creative memories were things like art attack and smart and just loving drawing and using using that as a way to like discover and explore and create i had a childhood friend who was into lots of the same things as me like those programs but also superheroes and nintendo games and that kind of thing and so we'd kind of make our own comics and stories and then illustrate that sort of stuff so yeah that's probably where it started for me yeah making me nostalgic mention art attack and stuff i've not yeah. really thought about that for years i mean you're slightly older than me but i remember you know i have similar memories in the sense of like loving superheroes and loving you know just getting lost in that world and, and making little cartoons and making little comics and stuff like yeah i've not thought about that for a long time when you mentioned the comic film, I was like it's unlocking memories which is always lovely in the podcast for that do you remember any characters that you made up at the time when you were a kid or anything as anything jumps out I remember trying to make this like playing card game with sort of like based on we did we were doing like the Romans at school so we sort of like tried to make this Roman playing card game and illustrated them which was quite cool and then like uh, well we thought we, we thought we were cool <laughs> and and then character wise I think we were trying to do like a beast like a series about beasts something about beasts and, and sort of like heroes with powers fighting them I don't remember anything oh, all the classics yeah <laughs> yeah but that was that was all what we were into yeah oh my god i did you literally i've not thought about this for years and you just unlocked it i we me and my best friend who i actually live with now and who's in right now next door but we did this whole comic book series about like it was called puffin and shigo like as oh, in yeah. shigo i don't know why i called it shigo 10 year old me was obviously weird and it was about like two birds that were like sort of action heroes and it was you know, obviously like in Bojack Horseman it's like a world of animals it's just like a world of birds so it wasn't even that original it was bizarre and I'm just like I don't even think these drawings exist but like it's crazy like the sort of things kids get up to and some of the weird things they come up with so I've not thought about that in years so it's just I'm, I'm remembering it live on air now rubbish <laughs> Do you still do much of that kind of stuff? Like, do you still do you still draw? Like, not at all. No, I'm I'm dyslexic as well, so I was never particularly good at the drawing. But I suppose like the storytelling element, like you say, as a script editor, like although I'm not writing my own work, I mean I have written, I you know got a background in writing as well. But like sort of as a script editor, like the job is to it's still story, isn't it? It's still structure and stuff. So I still have that sort of mind. It's just but but not at all drawing. That's why I haven't thought about it for you know twenty plus years. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> That's um, really cool. Yeah. But thank you for, for sort of sharing your earlier memories there. And also a sort of similar vein, I love to ask my guests like about where they're from, how are the froms influenced their creative? So you, are you am I right in saying you grew up in Devon? Is that true? Yeah, yeah I was right? born in, in Churchdown, which is a little village near Cheltenham. And then, yeah, Devon is where we moved to when I was, I think, eight or nine. Grew up there, went to university in Exeter, actually, so I spent sort of even longer there and, and then lived in Exeter sort of for a few years after after that. So, yeah, the southwest and, and, and Devon in particular is like a real, yeah like home for me and it's a beautiful landscape you know like the coastline is amazing and in, 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 yeah in Devon but southwest generally but uh, yeah the sort of like Exmouth Beach is kind of and Dawlish Warren are the two like kind of beautiful places that would really kind of well, I don't want to say influence but like I don't know just I think when you're surrounded by that much yeah natural beauty it's like it's just a, a lovely way to grow up and I think probably can't help but fuel your creativity if you're fascinated by nature and beautiful places yeah I've, I've been to Carmel before but obviously to get there you have to go through Devon which there's a, it's a lovely part of the world yeah no that's that's, that's, so when you were growing up there, like, and in, and suppose in Cheltenham as well, but I, I suppose obviously you do more when you're a bit older and stuff. Like, was there a lot going on creatively? Do you remember being in like theatre groups at all? Were you doing any writing at school or anything like that? Or did it sort of come from... 
an interest yourself at home type thing? I think at school they were really encouraging. Like actually, we we had like a school play, and I loved poetry and loved writing poems. So there was like an anthology that I think was like it must have been like a national sort of schools program, and everyone like from schools all over the country were like encouraged to submit, and that was that was quite cool because loads of us got to like see something of our own work, you know, like like in a book actually published, and that was you know that's quite exciting as a kid, I think. So it was great that we had that had that stuff, and it's a bit worrying actually because it's sort of I definitely took that for granted like it wasn't you know it was just a, a lovely school but nothing like just an, an ordinary state school you know for, for primary and secondary and, and you know, we hear about what's being cut now in in terms of yeah provision for that you know in, in the arts for, for state schools is uh you do worry sort of the impact of that because i think without those things you know they obviously led directly or indirectly to what i do now and even if i hadn't gone into the arts you know i definitely know that they'd have been really useful like you know language yeah, skill presentation all the all the rest of it so yeah and um, of course no 100 i think that is again like i'm very passionate about that subject especially on this which it comes up all the time about like how the arts are like sadly one of the first things to be cut when it comes to any sort of educational cuts it seems to sadly be like music drama are they're slash first and you know it is sad and like as you say it's very important and sort of I know in your most recent play fanboy as well there's a lot of sort of themes of mental health and fandom and how particularly men seem to go into that as a way of coping but which again that's art helping people to cope in a way isn't it so yeah. I mean we'll talk about this more in depth when I get on to fanboy but I just thought that's interesting as well because obviously that is partly helped by the arts isn't it definitely it's it's funny actually, i ran a workshop just a couple of days ago in exeter on mental health and creativity and uh, it, you know just on how like yeah that had helped me i guess a creative process to sort of channel and process difficult things i think it's really helpful you know whether you're making something or watching something it's yeah it's it's really super important it can it can have a real positive impact on you 100%. i think sometimes people forget just how powerful media is and like you know people get ideas from it people get like people connect with a character and maybe it helps them understand you know for example if you're grieving and you go and see a film and someone's grieving in the film especially if you're a guy who can't talk about their emotions sometimes you've just seen that as a way of, of really connecting and it kind of can it can actually genuinely save someone's life or help them process something 100 it really can i really think so it's you know it's space through which we can process stuff that we maybe don't and we don't have that space in in daily life always and yeah super powerful 100 percent. i love i love this sort of uh, chat but like i want to hold back on it because i would say fanboy is going to have a lot of these themes and stuff but on a sort of lighter note about that i also one of the questions i sent ahead was about your favorite word and phrase from like coming from sort of growing yeah. up in devon is that do you have yeah. one from from there is there yeah one yeah i was i was quite excited when i saw that question yeah. there's a there's a beautiful word from devon which is called dimpsy dimpsy do you want to do you want to yeah. guess what that have you do you know what it means no i don't know so basically it's like kind of dusky it's like it's sort of what the what the daylight would be doing kind of right now and where, where i am in london like it's sort of yeah it's not quite dusk but it's getting there and it's just like yeah you sort of go oh it's getting a bit a bit dimpsy outside and i'd never heard of because i've moved to devon obviously like i was not i was like eight yeah uh, so i'd there were these just subtle little linguistic things like freight like idioms and you know slight differences with the like gloucester accent to the devon accent and you know still south west but just yeah different enough for me to kind of i don't know be like oh i wonder what that is and yeah it's Dim- dimpsy was the one that like really stuck out I was like oh, that's a really lovely word no it's very lovely i know yeah. i know cornwall is one of the celtic nations because obviously as a scot like you know i kind of know a bit about that but like yeah. devon is devon it's kind of i imagine it must have that influence slightly though is it part of the celtic i don't really know actually good question i i don't really know either i do yeah do you know what no i don't i don't know oh well, that's fine we'll just <laughs> we'll just let it's all good no it's a, i will look I that, that up because that, that if that's true like, i'd love to know more about mm. that part. I, I know for sure cornwall is yeah no it's good I, like, I love the word i've never had that one on the podcast before so yeah there's a very good scottish word to describe the weather here now which is not very nice which is drink it i don't know if you'd ever heard it being up in edinburgh but it's a great I word. Uh, say it again 
streak it. So it means like sort of a bit like grey, a bit wet, like sort of very autumn word, like, you know, or winter is just it's a bit dreaky outside. So that's sort of uh, with the dark nights are coming in, it's a bit like, ugh, you know. I think it even sounds a bit ugh when you say it. Like, it's like yeah. that very Scottish R. So yeah, that's my weather-related word for you. There you go. Listeners yeah. have heard me say this one a few times. I've probably like, we, we, we know that's your favourite Scottish <laughs> word. So, uh, well, I'm glad I heard it. It's so. <laughs> <laughs> all so good. Well, just sort of going back onto that, you said you went to university and Exeter and stuff. When you were sort of in school and like deciding what you wanted to do with your life, did you know at that point I'd quite like to be a storyteller, a writer, an actor? Did you go off and study that at uni or did that come later in life? Yeah, I, so I studied drama at Exeter uni and i was i was definitely torn kind of deciding whether to do visual art or 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 drama when i was sort of choosing that yeah i was actually going to do an animation degree it's nice now that i now write for some animated Mm -hmm. series though i did i don't you know animate as um, as myself but but that took a long time to kind of go back to that sort of that love but i i knew it was going to be something in the arts and yeah i suppose it was the collaboration bit of drama i think that kind of swung it for me it was sort of being in a room with people and, and making stuff together and, and obviously visual art is still collaborative it's just not quite it, there's mm. it, there's an element to it which is much more can be much more solitary so i think it was the collaboration bit that yeah swung it for me but you know but I'd, I'd kind of done like yeah english lit and film and, and visual art and drama at a level and so i just had all these like all these great teachers kind of teach well teach me about about all the all these like uh, all this stuff i'd never you know all these theories and, and influences that i'd never kind of heard of before just sort of you know growing up like watching loving film and, and comics and that kind of stuff but actually kind of digging into those disciplines properly i was just like yeah i want to do this somehow in in, in some way and, I, and i've been quite lucky that i've been able to sort of do quite a few different things across yeah stage screen other other things and been great and, and just just on the cuff like well, obviously there's lots of interesting things to unpack there but just on the visual art stuff does that do you think that still plays a, a role in your work and your plays and stuff do you quite get quite involved in the visualness of it do you like do any set design for yourself and things yeah i i it, it's definitely always there like in my mind I've, wor- I've worked with some really great designers on the shows so when we were devising back uh in sort of early days of, of work like we were kind of all thinking about that stuff and we used like handheld lights like torches and like um, sort of led rings mm. and laser pens and that sort of stuff to create this sort of visual world for our first show which was about the the uk riots in 2011 and so yeah i think i think i always like to think about like what is the sort of visual design that, that a, a story is kind of hanging off but yeah I, i'm not I, I think visually but i'm not as i'm not as skilled as a of a like yeah of an mm. artist kind of be able to be a be a designer so i've been really lucky to work with some some really talented ones and they've they've brought their stuff and like the fact that i kind of think a little bit in that way as well as i think it helps the the collaboration yeah no one of the joys of doing this podcast has been so many creative people and also just doing my job and working with different writers on various projects just everyone so everyone has a different process and like a different way of thinking about things so i always love asking about questions like that like do you think visually do you think do you mean because it it just is so interesting how everyone can be creative but it's all individual to everyone do you know what I mean it's like it's kind of mad when you think about it when we're just yeah, when you break it down on like a sort of philosophical level it's like it's quite quite strange but I suppose stories have always been a big part of our culture really so yeah that's true I love hearing how other people kind of think and then seeing how they approach approach things it's uh yeah it's great speaking about being back in Exeter etc you need when you first graduated did you hit the ground running did you take a bit of time before you went into becoming like writing your own work and getting work and stuff or how was that sort of initial experience after you graduated? Yeah, well, it was weird. We graduated in the teeth of the recession. So uh, it was like a tricky time. And there were loads of us kind of, there was quite a few of us that wanted to stay in Exeter and make work together, uh, which was lovely. But it was it was tricky trying to sort of get, find a part-time job to then like pay the bills mm. and then 
and then do the theater on the side basically but we we kind of managed and made we just made a ton of shows we made i think six shows in our first year which didn't didn't sort of tour widely or anything but they had like a little run in exeter and and sort of other places in in devon and that just sort of got us going and, and meant that we and, and like alongside that i'd be auditioning for acting jobs and and that kind of thing as well so i kind of got to like do both those both those things and sort of yeah get some paid work in in the arts as well as uh, as well as sort of just making making our own sort of for, for the learning and the love of it but i think i think all of that really helped because it just kind of meant that we yeah we did hit the ground running and we, we made a lot of stuff and, and learned how to make stuff and learned how to not make stuff you know and learn, learn things that kind of just got got in our own way or slowed us down and it, yeah it, it led to us being able to make something a little bit more take a bit more time over something we spent we then spent like a year making one thing rather than like a few months making like loads of things and that was our first show that we were then able to tour like we went to edinburgh with that uh with that show how's that right and then to uh, yeah to, uh, then on a national tour and it just it just kind of like helped us learn more about the craft of storytelling in that form but also about the industry uh, itself and, and kind of how you can yeah how you can make work and, and book a tour and build relationships to then make make more work and apply for funding and that sort mm-hmm. of stuff so it was, it was sort of learning by doing really which was fun and, and also yeah. it was it was you know it was we were poor <laughs> no of course but i think that's really useful for to hear you talk about because a lot of our listeners are younger creatives or people who are sort of just coming out of university and are looking, you know, some of them might want to be writers or actors, et cetera. And it is, you know, telling people all the time this, but it is so hard and like that first step when you're trying to make money and not, you can't work full time because you want time to focus on the arts. And I mean, you were saying obviously graduating in the recession. I think a lot of people will feel that now graduating in a cost of living crisis or in the sort of hard times we find ourselves. So there'll be so many people in the same position as you. So it is really good to hear you talk, talk about what you learned and how there is still positives and what would be a fun, but kind of also quite stressful, difficult period definitely yeah no it's i can't even imagine really what it's like to have yeah either studied during the pandemic years or be graduating yeah now or yeah it's a it's 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 difficult for sure it's a tough time but like i think there there are ways to you know there is there is loads of stuff happening still and there are ways to get involved and i think making your own stuff in some form is is like it, it's always a good thing because it just you just learn so much more i think you know by doing that especially if you can combine it with them working for like other sort of you know bigger organizations that are, that have been going longer and perhaps you know are funded and that sort of stuff because they yeah you can learn by doing and you can kind of then alert, learn by like assimilation i guess from from more experienced people as well 100 thank you very much for sort of sharing that i kind of want to go on to talk about labels now because that was like sort of quite a, i imagine quite a big moment for you because that's your first debut solo show that you took to then Edinburgh fringe and you yeah. won like a fringe first for that so yeah that must have been quite a nice moment after all you're sort of talking about these harder years like how long did that take to get to that point from what you were just talking about was that quite a few years in the making it was yeah it, it was it certainly was like really unexpected and like very nice and it yeah we i did a workshop in 2009 at university which is where i kind of wrote the start of labels and that was like a 10 minute piece and i sort of added to it and changed it a bit over the years but it was always quite short like 15 minutes or, or so and then yeah in 2015 I I kind of knew that I really wanted to make it an hour and take it to the fringe and yeah I sort of I, I suppose I kind of had the approach of even though it was a solo work piece of work I was like coming from a devising background I sort of had that approach to it so you know worked mm. with director and dramaturg Katerina she was like in the room with me like crafting the story basically quite a lot and and then yeah Charlotte the designer and, and it was it was just like a real collaborative process to it which was great and then you, you asked how long did it take it 2009 to 2015 it was six years of, from sort of sort of inception to like finished piece yeah. but i wasn't working on it constantly of course but 
yeah i think it does just show you that like even if you have an idea or you work on something like it can take i mean we spoke again spoke about this off air like even development and stuff like stuff in tv could be in sitting there for 10 years sometimes even longer so it's just that it sort of gives people an idea of that patience and how sometimes things do take longer to come to fruition but obviously they, when they do sometimes it works out great like obviously for that and getting the french first and going on to tour it internationally and stuff that must have been like quite quite a special thing for you to for, considering you did it in 2009 and then in 2015 you're sort of touring with it that must have been kind of almost a bit surreal it was a bit surreal yeah i mean it was it was crazy because like we won as, as well the, the holden street awards so that that sort of it basically takes you to adelaide for but it's like it's like properly funded and stuff so yeah we got to do international touring which I'd, I'd never done before and it was open doors to then do yeah perth and then eventually melbourne and, and america and singapore and, and denmark and yeah like it was as well as loads of uk touring and that was just really lovely because i was really you know team and i made that show we were really really proud of it so it's just really nice to yeah, be able to take it to loads of different audiences and see how and like rural touring and schools as well in the uk like just the different very different audiences you know and in different venues and seeing how something lands in a different space with a different group of people it was really fun and like do you think obviously there's loads of other things you would have done which have contributed to this but do you think that was like not your big break because I don't really like that word because I think there's always kind of a series of breaks in this industry but did you think that sort of particular success that has sort of helped get to where you are now with the sort of getting an agent and things like that and sort of getting more work in like TV and, and that sort of side of things definitely yeah it, it, it took a little while like there was sort of a an agent signing straight after that show that kind of almost happened and then didn't quite which is a shame and then it took it took a while sort of after that a few a few years actually to to find a, a literary agent but someone who I love working with and and like has yeah really allowed me to do do work in screen that I would wouldn't have been able to otherwise and and so yeah definitely that well it was yeah it was that show it was the script for that show that kind of like led to that happening but yeah these things don't always happen instantly and I think you I think you're right to sort of like be cautious about the word break because like things don't always happen overnight you know they, they there's real value in putting your work out there because you don't know where it'll lead or when when it might lead to something you know yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. you'll take an opportunity and you you might sort of you might sort of question it and you think well it's not like it's not really going to sort of pay me anything or it might even cost me money that I don't necessarily have or or you know but like it's I think if you can it's always worth like putting I mean yeah obviously don't work for free but like taking opportunities to like essentially mm. show people what you can do yeah you never you never know who's going to be watching and, and like where where it might where it might lead like someone saw labels the fringe who worked for like a business that does kind of diversity and inclusion events and then was able to kind of program it for one of those for instance you know so it was so sort of them forming it in like like a business to try to sort of open up discussions about labeling and and, and ethnicity kind of in a workplace environment actually actually do that was quite unexpected and and, and meant quite a lot actually because mm -hmm. uh, it was it was quite encouraging i think to like sort of know that yeah businesses were sort of looking you know yeah looking for like a, a different way of just like yeah opening up that discussion i actually taking a bit of a risk and bringing in a, a friend show to like an office to, do you know like it was it was sorry slight tangent there but you never know where yeah where your work's going no no it's, it's very interesting and, and I, I kind of like that you picked up on the thing I said as well about like breaks and how that can be quite you have to be cautious about because I think even working with some like top screenwriters and people that are you know quite like well-known screenwriters that have got, uh, had the privilege to sort of meet and work with they don't even get you know always get consistent work and like it is sort of ebbs and flows isn't it and sometimes just because you have a big successful play doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go on and be like a an Oscar winning writer necessarily Do you know I mean I think we have this sort of it does happen obviously there's like the Waller Bridges of this world but like for most working screenwriters or working writers it, it's small steps that you know gradually lead you on the path so I think it's just good for listeners to sort of not think that just because you know labels one of French words didn't mean that overnight you were suddenly like comfortable and set for life you yeah still have to put a lot of work in and it's a gradual 
you know process for you definitely yeah i think it's really yeah it's really important to, to remember that because yeah we can we can point to the sort of the big the big success stories and uh, of which there are some but yeah like they are the exceptions i think you know like mm. in the yeah, but like you say, even with a degree of recognition or success, still comes a huge amount of patience and graft that, that needs to happen. And just healthy to keep that in mind for all of us, you know. Yeah. yeah. Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. Well, I've got some sort of specific questions to ask you about writing and like some of the stuff you've done, but I thought it would be a good chance to talk about Fanboy now because obviously you're about to go on tour with it. We touched yeah. on it a few times, but you just done that quite this most recent one. Obviously, you've been working on it since 2020 or probably before that. So it's yeah. been with you a while. But like tell us what's fanboy about? What could people expect to get from it if they were to come along? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we we started it like three years ago. Yeah, we were going to take it to fringe 2020, had some pause for obvious reasons and, and came back to it at the beginning of this year. And it is about nostalgia and pop culture and being a nerd as a, a kind of the image of it is like me in a dressing gown with a lightsaber. And yeah, it's kind of that idea of a, a man child kind of hasn't really hasn't really grown up and and i suppose it's really about like the cost of nostalgia and you know being stuck in in the past and not really living in the present there's a, a muppet christmas carol kind of thread that runs throughout it as one of the fandoms one of the things that i really love what a film though it is what it's, a it's film bit, what a my favorite favorite christmas film yeah it's oh, great. Okay. Yeah. yeah glad to hear you say that correct answer yeah and yeah like that so that's like presented in the show with like a series of i do these sort of mini movies like series of impressions kind of like i do a star wars mini movie and, and the muppet uh, christmas carol and, and other ones but but yeah there's this thing of kind of past present and future you know running through the show and clever kind of i say clever because i didn't come up with it so i can, I can say that <laughs> so uh yeah like a clever kind of visual device of, of the way that like the past self and the future self kind of interact with uh, me as the present character through technology so it's like a bit of magical realism which i won't spoil just in case anyone anyone comes to watch it but yeah there's some there's some interesting like visual stuff going on there and i, I suppose what we want really wanted to try and make was when we when we, when we sort of tested out the the kind of design and tech elements that we had it was it felt quite exciting that we could make you know what sort of on the surface looked like a solo show but then actually felt like something a lot bigger with other characters and, and stuff that aren't just 
multi-rolling but the but are more sort of visual and physical as well no um, you know what i'm talking to you about this makes making me more like kind of sad that i didn't get to see an end bro and i was here the whole month didn't even realize that like you know there's just so much on isn't there i'm, I'm yeah, sad to have missed it yeah. no it, it sounds really interesting and again we sort of touched on this at the start but i kind of thought it'd be good to unpack it because it, it's such an interesting subject to me and this i've sort of talked about it but like this idea that sort of a lot of men in particular like are people who are lonely and stuff go into sort of fandom and pop culture and to process emotions and stuff like what how did you sort of explore that in the show and like if you, do you mind unpacking that a little bit? Because I just feel yeah, really definitely. And I, I really think it's it's true. You know, we, we men aren't always great at talking about feelings and and uh, even able to to understand and process them. And and, and uh, yeah, I do think yeah, pop culture is a way of us doing that kind of for ourselves and also connecting connecting with others. You know, we were, I re- was remembering like conversations I'd had with friends about the Marvel films, about Star Wars films, and I was just, I'd kind of look look back on them and be like, oh man, we were really doing some like emotional processing there, but kind of by proxy through you know through talking about something that we. <laughs> shared love of you know like that bit where like captain grabs the hammer or, you know like whatever it whatever it might be and yeah and so so fanboy i guess unpacks some of that by it presents like three key relationships like it i play myself on stage but it's like a version of myself and and the, the characters are fictionalized so they some of them are based on you know some people I have known through my life, but uh, but they're also fictionalized, and they each have a connection to, in this case, Star Wars. Like that's the that's the sort of the big pillar, that's the big kind of fandom in in the show. So these three different characters that I have a relationship with, Star Wars is particularly significant to each of them in different ways, and sort of forms like is the kind of foundation of the relationship. And as the show goes on, and we go through like the prequels and and the originals and and the sequel trilogy and the sort of fan responses to each of those, it, there are ways through which to explore the relationships through midnight launches, for example, or sort of analyzing and like trash talking the prequels. Yeah, these sort of shared experiences of of pop culture. Mm. Yeah, no, it's really it's almost sort of like people don't feel connected as much anymore in society because of phones and just the way the fast pace of the modern world. So I think like a lot of people do connect through stuff like as you say like talking about the Marvel films talking about these films with your friends and stuff and it, I think it is really interesting and as you say you're doing this emotional work without realising it, it you're making me think of so many I mean I'd like to think I'm quite open and quite good at talking about emotions but like there is so many occasions in my life I can remember me mates talking about like music or films and using that as a way of like communicating with each other and you're it's kind of subtext there you're actually talking about something about you or something but in a way that kind of like doesn't feel as vulnerable I just think it's really interesting and a good thing to talk about on this of course definitely yeah no, it's it's really powerful. It can really open up, like you know, some quite deep conversations. I think with uh, people, and you know, can, it can form friendships and and strengthen and friendships and relationships. You know, in, in in some really beautiful way sometimes. Yeah. And when is Fanboy like on tour on the current leg? Like, I know, like, what do you want to plug some dates coming up? We're yeah, obviously like, we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So the twenty first and twenty second of October in Cornwall, and then the fourteenth to the nineteenth of November in London at the Soho Theatre. Well, sort of on the mental health topic, that's a question I was going to ask about later, but it feels like a good time to ask but something I like to ask guests as well is about obviously working in this industry can be quite stressful quite tiring like high pressure sometimes especially the insecurity of it how do you personally sort of cope with that like do you have any strategies that help your mental health that you would be okay to share with our listeners yeah that's a good question it definitely is you know like precarious industry to work in and yeah it doesn't doesn't help like mental health if you struggle with that i meditate like most days so that's something i found for for quite a, a few years to be really useful for me like go for a walk either in the morning or sort of like yeah like a lunchtime break especially if you you know because you can often find yourself like working in your in your room or your living room and like alone which isn't isn't always great for, <laughs> for your brain so i mean sometimes you need that but like yeah getting out for a walk 
or like going to work in the library or something like that like a cafe obviously it can be can be really helpful like just to change the scenery and a few other people around and then exercise like i know i mentioned walking but like a, like a proper like workout in the morning or like mm. a swim, you know that, that kind of stuff like and sleep those are the those are the, that's the that's the big one for me as well is just kind of making sure i get enough sleep 100 yeah. and i know i know some of these sound like obvious but they're, they're so important because like i think for whatever reason there's a, it seems to be from speaking to great but there's a narrative around that creative people don't tend to be like don't tend to have to worry about being healthy or do these sort of basic things that you know that sort of stereotype like oh the tortured artist like up all night writing a script and that's got a scene as like what you need to do to be creative but it's not because obviously like anyone else you have to look after yourself and like if you look after yourself your work's going to be a lot better yeah so i think we need to sort of have a responsibility to crush that narrative a bit definitely definitely it's you know they they are like quite straightforward acts of self-care but also require like structure and discipline and can give structure in a day or a week that doesn't always have it so yeah it's it's important to kind of plug the simple things i think and, rem- and remember that you know i can very easily kind of forget to do the things that i know are good for me but um, yeah it's hard sometimes life gets in the way but but speaking of structure and discipline another question and people love me asking writers this question it seems to be one that people ask me a lot as a script like do you have a a set process or like structure when you go to write something is there like a way that you like to approach something or is it different every time i think it's different depending on the yeah the project and the kind of the form that it's for i know that with like so with the children's shows i write on we'll get given like the the writer's bible which kind of has all the characters and information and visuals and stuff in it and that kind of really lays out the world and the rules of the world and and like what an episode will look like and then you'll kind of you might get like a theme or something like that or just like be asked to pitch episode ideas and then there's like a really quite rigid structure that, that is followed for, for kids tv in particular which i found quite interesting because I, di- I didn't know about this but you kind of you have these like three or four different stages of, of a i mean i know you'll probably know this but just for listeners like who don't like you know three or three or four different stages of like what builds up a script from like you know sort of storyline to beat sheet to scene by scene to, to script for example now they'll have different names for different series but yeah it, it does mean that you and you'll do like two or three drafts of each one so I've, i found it quite interesting that like a, a six minute episode for quite a young audience would have have like that rigid of a structure and yeah. um, but it was really useful and it does make sense actually because with that kind of a series you're doing like uh, production companies like overseeing 52 episodes you know like and that's a lot <laughs> so you need to <laughs> Need to give they need to give their writers something and like their their team in house like then there needs to be quite a mechanical process I guess to make sure that everything's like on time and, and on you know like in budget and all, all of the rest of it and and whilst we can resist I think like something that's too structured as artists like actually it does help <laughs> like deadlines and structure is you know super important and but then with my own work like I would take often like an, a kind of would have an image and a title in mind so like for labels and fanboy and monster like that was definitely the case it just kind of yeah saw what like the front the like the poster image and and the and the title would be and then be like oh that that would be a fun show like i wonder what i wonder what that show would be if i was to like go and see that and then kind of think you know a good approach to something is like what do you, you know writing or creating what you would like to, to sort of consume as, a, as a, you know as like a punter mm. and then I guess with that then after that would kind of come like like I said earlier the devising process of, of taking bits and pieces into a room so you know bits of text and images and that kind of stuff I'd still work like that and yeah do the classic thing of post-it notes and kind of stick them all over your wall and structure to help kind of structure your thoughts mm. and that sort of stuff so yeah it's, it's, a, it's a little bit looser with my own like 
uh, solo shows but yeah in terms of structure but there's there's definitely still tools that i would use to kind of structure yeah. but again like i suppose that speaks to the difference between screen and stage as well i think stage play allows that a little bit more not freedom is obviously you can i'm sure there's lots of writers that feel free writing for a screen but i think you probably have to be slightly more structured writing for screen and i actually didn't know that because tv so that's really interesting but it, may, it totally makes sense and yeah. it explains why a lot of writers that we work with who have started in kids tv and so almost sort of a bit further ahead or like sort of almost easier to work with because they know how to deliver a script and, and how to work just a, a very like tight deadlines and structure so it's all really interesting yeah definitely yeah no it's been really good discipline and, and i think the fact that with you know with writing for that age group that the episodes generally are shorter but you're still having to do all of the kind of heavy lifting that you would in any story of of you know beginning middle and end and all, all the kind of they're just condensed you know but all, all of the same rules still apply so actually i think it's it's really good for your craft if you can if you can do something like that which requires kind of lots of iterations of something because it just really drums it into your head and you start to see it in more places 100 i don't think i've ever asked this question on the podcast before but just i'm just curious like what do you think the hardest thing of writing is what do you find hardest when you write uh the blank page i think you know the, the just yeah that that flashing yeah. cursor or uh yeah if you feel right I, I try and write by hand i feel like for first drafts of things or for redrafting stuff because i kind of i find it less easy to be distracted with the internet and stuff <laughs> and uh but also just like i don't know something about like the tactile kind of connection of like pen to paper that i just really like so that i think unlocks that yeah that blank page mm. or black screen kind of fear but that that's the hardest thing i think and you know that you can't edit a blank page you know once you've got oh, some work you can edit it but yeah it's, yeah the sort of like this could be anything and it has to be amazing you know that sort of fear that feeling is what the blank page represents for me oh god yeah you give me ptsd from like when i used to write and do like because i didn't aim in screenwriting before i became a oh, script, like, i wanted to be a writer but like i mean i might still go back to and i still dabble sometimes but like that was always the thing for me as well like i just the blank page i'm such a bad procrastinator anyway and even when i do notes at work for writers like i'm to you know take write a notes up or you know write a little like research document like if i ever see like a blank page i'm like it takes me like 25 minutes to get started because i just you get that instant you know then once you start it's fine once you get a flow on you're usually fine but it's so true isn't it like it does do that too absolutely yeah what about yourself like what do you find kind of hardest with with writing again just it's the it's the patience of it in the blank page and like i'm just such i'm so hard for like i struggle to sit in one place and focus i just my focus is not good enough and i find that difficult and just like yeah the blank page is just so it scares me as well and then the fear of failure as well i find that quite hard even though it's silly because it's your own work but I, i guess now as well because i work with such a high standard of writing and I read it whenever if I ever write not that I do much anymore but I find it quite I'm too it's almost like being a perfectionist where you don't work and like well I know this isn't good but you're obviously it's always has you have to write bad to write good and it changes so much anyway so I'd, I'd say that for me yeah yeah no definitely can relate to that a lot <laughs> yeah. yeah I think most writers can because it is yeah. very difficult well I've, just, I've got three more questions I know we've nearly speaking for an hour but I've loved this conversation I could get sit and geek out about writing stuff all the time obviously oh, yeah. Yeah. it's great but one of the questions I sent up as well which is basically about like, what is there like three specific skills that you think someone who maybe wanted to be a writer performer storyteller might need to do that job what do you what, what are they for you yeah that's a really good question I was, I was thinking about this when I you sent that over like because there's loads but to pick three I mean I think open this is a big one it's a very uh, common answer actually believe it or not i love that yeah. most people i ask this question to even if it's directing or something else in the arts they always say openness and i think it's so true yeah. so i think you have to be open be definitely creative you really do and yeah sort of open to influences and opportunities and unexpected directions that your work might take mm-hmm. so that's definitely one i think patience you know we talked a little bit about that earlier and determination you know it's yeah kind of one of the best pieces of advice i i, I ever got like before i graduated was you know the, the people who are able to make a living out of this aren't necessarily the most talented they're the the most patient you know they're the ones that stick it out 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought that was slightly weird advice when I first heard it because it, it it felt I don't know almost slightly defeatist or, or not defeatist, but I don't know. I had I had an odd like reaction to it, but then I was kind of just more and more. I was like, yeah, you know, like that that really just means you no. Know, the more you stick something out, like the more you're gonna learn, the more you're gonna leave yourself open yeah. to opportunities. And yeah, so openness, patience, and determination. Yeah, be my three. Really good. I mean, I is as you said, there is loads, and like I find it sometimes. I'm like, I'm a being reductive by making it free, but I just think it makes people force people to pick like free that they would like choose over others. Maybe that they're. Do you know what I mean? It, it narrows it down in a way, which and I don't know why human beings always love the number three for some reason. It tends to be a safe yeah. number that we gravitate toward. Magic number for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a great answer. Thank you very much. Just get a real we sort of talked about very briefly you mentioned having to work part-time jobs earlier when you first graduate but obviously the name of the podcast is just get a real job we'd all had to work yeah. in our time as artists like our creatives like real jobs part-time jobs is there one that stands out that was an absolute horror show or that you just particularly hated or that was kind of funny at the time yeah <laughs> there was there was one that was I've, I've, I've definitely had my share of ones that i've not loved uh but my my least favorite was there was a hotel which I won't name, but in Exeter that I, I worked at with a, a bunch of friends who were also you know, doing, doing the same thing with me. We, you know, we were making theatre together and then like worked at that hotel for like our part-time job. And it was, the work in itself wasn't like, it was fine. It was, you know, just like any other hospitality, but it was just, we were just all treated so badly. And like I say, it was teeth of the recession. It was like, you know, the zero hours gig economy, like in, in full force. And yeah, just not knowing where you stood with your hours and your wages people trying to just not pay you as well and like yeah you do these crazy long shifts and then just not get paid for them and have to like fight for like a really you know basic wage and and you know all the all the while be living hand to mouth anyway you know not, not really having much money in, in the bank i'm painting a big bleak picture here but like uh, it was yeah that was that was definitely the like my least my least favorite of the part-time jobs just just because of how uh how we were treated really yeah no i mean everyone's probably related to their job like that that's happened in the past was there any was there ever any funny things there that happened that made it like worthwhile or anything i mean the people were great like the not the people we worked for but the people we worked with were, were really yeah that that was like a real i think there's a real camaraderie and like yeah when you're in a situation like that and in terms of like funny moments i'm just trying to think yeah i don't really know yeah i can't think of one. it doesn't matter if there isn't i mean there, it, not everyone has that luxury i mean I, yeah. I can't think of that many kind of funny moments from any part-time jobs i've done to be yeah. honest um, what was your least favorite i have so i sort of answered this in the park before i've had a few i worked in a chinese for like a summer which i hated it was really really tough like it just not it's like 30 pounds for a seven hour shift which is so illegal as well it's like wow so i mean they used to just give you that at the end of your shift like here's 30 quid but when you're like 17 or whatever 18 you're like oh this is fetch of money in yeah. your hand but in hindsight it's like oh my god you had to like remember this whole menu and just know the number and i just couldn't do it i'm bad at maths anyway but i just couldn't like, like crack it and you'd have to deal with the people that had their you know their deliveries an hour late you have to take the all the the slack for it and stuff in it yeah i'd say that's probably my least favorite one which again there's not really many funny things in that really so that I, sounds know. uh that sounds really tough <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, everyone's. The, I think just what is what I love about this question is, and it's one of our favorite. We get a lot of good feedback from listeners about it because everyone has worked like a sort of funny part-time job, and it, it just makes people feel better hearing other people talk about a job they'd work because they're like, yeah. oh, you know, they might be in one now, and it's like you know, stick it out. You need you need to pay the bills, and sometimes it can influence your work later in life, and you can get a really good sketch out of it as well. So yeah, oh, I definitely relate to that. Like I think yeah, I've done so many, but like McDonald's and like you know, call centers trying to flog double glazing and that you know, like kind of you just yeah the people you meet and speak to you know staff and customers and like the things that you yeah the things that you do like it's all good yeah. fuel for me. 
Yeah. And I think also what for me anyway, if I ever have a bad day in my job now or like doing what I love, I remind I remind myself, well, why are you complaining? Like you used to work in like a hospitality or like you used to work in as a caterer and that was really stressful and hard. Like you got it quite good now. Shut up. Do you know what I mean? It's good for giving you that perspective as well. I think it really is. I think it I think it's really important. Yeah, I definitely it's definitely made me value like what I do now much more. Yeah, for, for that exact reason. hundred percent. Well, Joe, it's been it's been lovely speaking to you tonight. So I've got one more question, but like genuinely, I've loved this conversation. You've given some Likewise. amazing insights and answers. It's been great. But like, sort of, I love to get everyone to sort of finish on their closing advice. And I know I know we'd already given some advice, but what would your closing advice be if you were speaking to somebody that wanted to do what you do for a living? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I would say look for paid opportunities and paid work, but also make your own work. You know, like like make sure that you're creating time and space, even if it's just a little bit, to make something of your own, whether that's with other people or just yourself or, or both because i think the two the two things together really are gonna help your craft and help your help your business there's that as a sort of i don't know who it who it came from but like you know sort of a piece of advice being you know do something for your art every day and one thing for your business every day and yeah i think trying to sort of have those have those two things in mind is gonna gonna help you along i heard that one before but i really like that that's good yeah. it's, it's quite practical as well yeah i think so and it's nice if you're having a day where you just kind of think well i'm not really sure what i achieved today i don't have anything in the diary or or you're just like so you know so busy with your your day job and you're sort of feeling frustrated maybe that you've not had time to dedicate you know you if there's just like one simple thing that you can do for you know mm. yeah for your art and for your business like it could be an email and a sketch for instance you know but yeah. it could be really simple or 100%. Like, and that you know, feels achievable for people that make you know that and it is yeah i love that that's great joe thank you so much it's been a pleasure i hope i encourage people to go out and see fanboy if when it's on tour and yeah wish you all the best with the tour as well thanks so much for having me it's been a real pleasure, pleasure. Uh, chatting Absolute yeah. pleasure. well there you go that is all we have time for this week thank you for listening to episode 95 of just get a real job thank you again to joe for speaking to us i really really enjoyed this conversation i hope if you're a writer or just a creative in general you took some nice nuggets of advice or information away from that i hope you found it useful and i just hope mostly you enjoyed it remember as well joe's obviously on tour with fanboy at the moment there's links to that in the show notes be sure to go and see him if you're in those areas and also be sure to sign the petition as i mentioned at the start to save the edinburgh film house and edinburgh film festival etc and yeah wherever you're listening i hope you have a lovely week and be sure to share this podcast or tell friends if i'm to listen thank you all and hopefully be back tuesday again next week have a good one just get a real job